Well, my privilege this morning is to uh, share to you from Scripture. Over the last couple of weeks, Pastor Colin's been, uh, we've had the wise men. Uh, week one, then last week, we had Herod and that clash of the kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. It's great to know that Scripture tells that we've been transported, uh, translated, pardon me, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, which is the kingdom of light. Well, this morning, I'd like us just to a more devotional talk, maybe, and look at the, the, the nativity story in relation to the wise men. Sorry, pardon me, the shepherds, Colin did the wise men. And the reading is in Luke chapter 2, and I'd like to read from that, and then we'll just have a look at it together and see if we can find something that will encourage us during these days. So let me read. I'm in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for you and all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I need to pray. Father, we thank you for the nativity story. We thank you for Luke's account, how he draws our attention to this amazing revelation of your incarnation. And as we look at it together, I pray, Lord, that you'll speak to us. And maybe when our hearts are disappointed because our earthly Christmas arrangements have had to be altered, we just pray, Lord, that we will still find joy and uh, encouragement through knowing what Christmas was really about. So we pray that you'll bless the church, bless everyone in every family, anyone connected to us. May, know, may they know your blessing at this time. Amen. Amen. Thank you. While I uh, was preparing this, um, I need to come up with a title. And the title I chose was, Why the Shepherds? Now, when we look at the nativity story, there were lots of groups of people who might have thought they deserved to be the first to know about the birth of the baby Jesus. Uh, maybe the, chef, the fishermen, a number of the disciples were called who were fishermen. Maybe some of the priests, maybe some, well, I don't know. I'm sure there were many groups that could have put a, a, a applied for this privilege. But, you know, the choice of the shepherds was vital, 
not only to the nativity story, but as a foundation to help us understand the future ministry of Christ. And so let me answer that question first. Why the shepherds? Well, first of all, the shepherds represented the poor. When the wise men arrived, we know that they must have had some finance to sponsor the journey. We know from the gifts that they brought that they were expensive. And um, they were obviously astrologers and astronomers, and it was all mixed up in those days, as uh, Colin shared with us. Um, so they were educated, they had finance, they had time to travel. And if this story only contained the wise men, we might somehow feel that Christianity is just for those educated, those with wealth. But when we come to the story of the shepherds, God addresses that balance marvelously. Shepherds were not considered to be uh, high in society in any way. Um, it was one of the most menial tasks, one of the lowliest tasks that people could have. And in fact, they were thought of in such low reputation that the Sanhedrin, the religious uh, court of the day, would not accept the evidence of a shepherd. Didn't trust them, didn't think they was worthy of even having their evidence. So you can understand why from wise men we're suddenly talking to shepherds, how God has included in that the greatest span of society there is. I don't know where you feel you fit in in society. I don't know whether you feel that you are part of the intellectuals or you're working or whatever. I don't know. But let me tell you now, Christmas shows us clearly that God is interested in every one of us. So whether you have finance or you have not, whether you have education or not, let me tell you now, this child that was born in Bethlehem came for you. And no part of society can claim any more privilege from him than another. So I think the shepherds were chosen, first of all, because they represented the poor. We know in Luke 4.18, when Jesus has that great manifesto of his ministry taken from, um, I believe it's Isaiah, he says there, he'd come to preach the good news to the poor. So there we have it. He came to the poor shepherds as a signal that his ministry of ministering to the poor had already begun. These shepherds didn't know it was the baby Jesus at this point. They will later, of course, as the story continues. But he came for them. Secondly, I think the shepherds were chosen because of the work that they did. They and most commentators would follow this through. It's not a revelation at all, really, that in the hills around Bethlehem, that's where the sheep and the lambs um, were prepared, if you like, that would later go to the temple as part of sacrifice. And so here we have a group of men who were caring for animals and we believe that would eventually go to the temple and for sacrifice. And so here we have this group who were helping to fulfill the law in providing sacrifices for the temple. And yet there they were going to be one of the first groups that would see the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Friends, the, the coming of Jesus put these guys out of work. Now, he didn't put them out of work as shepherds, but it certainly wasn't necessary that any more animals should die because Jesus had come and he was the full and final and complete offering to God um, for our sins.
in that way. And so they were chosen because they were poor. They were chosen because I believe they were part of that Levitical law, which was going to find its fulfillment in the death of Jesus. Thirdly, I think they were chosen because they represented the actual ministry of Christ. Now, we know that God is very comfortable with the term shepherd. Probably the most famous Bible verse in the world is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so David, who was a shepherd, was very comfortable attributing that ministry of shepherding to the Almighty. We know that Jesus himself says in John 10, 4, I am the good shepherd. Again, picking a, a, a profession that would have been despised by people. And yet he was comfortable with it because he explained what he had come to do, which was to gather and to protect the sheep of which we are. Not only is he the good shepherd, the good shepherd that scripture tells us lays down his life for the sheep, which Jesus did, of course, upon the cross. But in 1 Peter 5, he's called the chief shepherd uh, who shall appear. And so at his first coming, he, the shepherds arrive. At his second coming, he will be the chief shepherd. So he's the good shepherd who dies. He's the chief shepherd who comes. And then Hebrews 13, 20 says, he is the great shepherd of the sheep of that eternal covenant. So there we have it. Jesus was very comfortable. Scripture presents Jesus as the shepherd in different aspects of that ministry. And so why should the shepherds not be there? They remind us he comes to the poor. They remind us that he was a sacrifice, the Lamb of God. And he, they remind us of the glorious ministry of Christ of being a shepherd. In fact, we know from Ephesians 4 that part of the ministry gifts is that of pastor teachers who are given to the church as a gift. And uh, those of us who people have given that title to feel very honored to be called a pastor at our, uh, in our ministries, a great honor to be associated with the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so we've worked out why the shepherds were chosen for those reasons. But um, another question I have is, why did the angels not visit Bethlehem? Now, we're told very simply from the reading there, um, they were on in the fields nearby. So Jesus was in Bethlehem. The encounter with the angel and the shepherds took place in fields nearby. Now, you'd have thought, wouldn't you, that instead of appearing to shepherds, surely the angel and later the angels should have gone down to Bethlehem. Surely that's where they should be. But again, there's a reason why they didn't go. And I'd like to give you that idea. I'd like, I've tried to explain why the shepherds were there. Let me explain why those angels did not go, first of all. Well, first of all, their task was to announce. That's what the angel had to do. Um, it tells us simply there, um, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for you and all the people. So his task was to announce not to go and adore. He had to announce that Christ was being born. The adoration would come from the shepherds as they went down. See, the adoration comes from man. And particularly men and women like you and me who have given our lives to Christ. It's the natural thing for us to adore him 
because we know him as our good shepherd who is laying down his life for our sins. Another reason I think the angels didn't go down to Bethlehem was because they already knew him. Now, the shepherds were instructed to go down, encouraged to go down, because they'd never seen Christ before. He had been in heaven with the Father. He had been the eternal part of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Logos, the eternal word. John tells us the word became flesh. So in this moment of time, the word becomes flesh and dwells amongst us. And so they didn't need to go down to have see what Jesus looked like. Now, they'd never seen the baby before, but that didn't concern them. Because these are the same guys who were singing holy, holy, holy in Isaiah 6, whether it was seraphims or cherubims, but the angelic hosts would have worshipped God. So they didn't have to go to discover who Jesus was. They already knew who he was, and they were instructed not to do that. So, and also, I think they didn't go because they would have distracted from a very important part of Christ's ministry. You imagine this, in your town or in your street or in your, your area, suburb where you live, if suddenly angels began to manifest themselves. Now, some of you would like that, and you, you know, who wouldn't? That would be something to look at, wouldn't it? But those angels, if they'd gone down to Bethlehem, they would have become, I believe, the center of attention. Now, the point is this. God did not want the birth of Jesus to be an angelic manifestation. He wanted it to be low-key. He wanted it to be humble. And he wanted it to be simple. Why? Because that was the seed of of his ministry. So the angels singing, the angel, oh, they didn't sing, pardon me, I'll explain that in a moment. The angels appearing and all that, I think, would have distracted from what we would call in theological terms, Christ's humiliation. Now, it's not humiliation in the sense where we mock someone and expose them to ridicule, but Christ humbled himself. Philippians 2 you know, he who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, humbled himself, became a servant even unto death. You know that portion very well. The steps down from heaven, and then we have the steps up to heaven afterwards. And so the whole point was that he was born in a stable. He was brought up by Mary and Joseph. He was in the carpenter's shop. He was identifying with us. When he became a baby... The eternal word no longer identified solely with the Godhead. He was now identifying with us. And he became a man that he might die for us. And so the angels shouldn't turn up because they had to announce, not to adorn. The angels didn't need to turn up to discover who he was. They already knew who he was. And they shouldn't turn up because the seeds of Christ's ministry was that of humility. And Philippians 2 tells us that he humbled himself. And so that was the message of the, the angel to them. Very simply, it was there. But um, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. A natural thing that would happen. If such a, a thing, don't forget, it's nighttime. They're out in the fields. and. Um, 
natural light. There's no street lights around. You know, it would have been the stars and uh, the moon that would have given them so much light. No light pollution, they call it today. And suddenly, an angel turns up. I think I'd be frightened. I would certainly be frightened. There's a few folk frighten me when they turn up, and I'm certain an angel would have done in that way. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You always know when God's doing something because he doesn't want people to be afraid. When he said to Joshua, look, take over from Moses and take the people in the land. It's, don't be afraid. Time won't allow. But, you know, again and again, God comes and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear not. I am with you. Because God knows how destructive fear is. While they were frightened, they wouldn't be able to receive the revelation that the angel was going to give them. And the antidote to fear, you've heard it so often, and certainly spoken a lot better than I am. The antidote to fear is faith. Even though we don't deny there's a challenge, we're not denying there's a pandemic at the moment. We're, we're living in reality. You know, we're, we're doing all the necessary things. We're washing our hands. We're wearing our masks. Of course we are. We're not, not stupid enough to say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Of course it matters. But, uh, but we're not frightened. We're not living in fear. We're not terrified. We don't want to be ill. We don't want to this. We'll do all we can to prevent it. But at the end of the day, God is God and we belong to him. And if he is with us, if God be for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall the pandemic? Of course not. And so fear is an important part of life in many ways. But we don't live in fear. We live in faith, believing that whatever comes, our faith is in God and God will see us through. Well, the first thing the angel wasn't is a, a singular angel now speaking to them. It was a messenger angel who had been sent to tell them. He said, don't be afraid. It gave them assurance. He says he'd come with great, with good news of great joy. So, you know, that's the strength of the Christian message. I know a little about other religions. I've not studied them as, as some would do. But you know what? I don't see a lot of joy out there in the other religions I've looked at and studied. You know, I don't see a lot of joy. But Christianity is joy, joy, joy. Because God's heart towards us is love. God's heart towards us is mercy and forgiveness. How can we not be joyful? I'm not talking about laughter. Oh, you know, I mean, I've been known to make people laugh, but that's not joy. When the story finishes, the laughter stops. But when joy comes, when it's joy from God, it stays with us and follows us through and will take us through. So they had good news. What was the good news? Well, it's revealed in his name. Um, and then again, he, he states the words, good news of great joy will be for all the people. Again, this inclusiveness of God, all the people. Shepherds, it's not just for you. It, wise men, it's not just for you. Mary Joseph, it's not just for you. It's for all men. And then there's a little caveat to that, you know, on whom his favour rests, as we read that words there. Don't be afraid, I bring you good news, it will be for all people. And later on, it speaks about on whom his favour rests. Who does God's favour rest on? Well, God's favour can rest on anyone and everyone if they will come 
and acknowledge who he is. So God's favor does not rest upon those who deny him. Of course, no, they can't be. You know, they're not children of God, they're children of men. I always struggle a little bit here, and I may be controversial, but that won't do anybody harm. You know, this term that we're all the children of God, uh, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. We're all the children of Adam. But I'm not sure we're all the children of God. That's the little controversy for the week, okay, um, in that way. Now, that doesn't mean to say I'm demeaning anyone else or I feel superior to anybody else, but to me, to be a child of God as a result of faith in Jesus Christ where I receive the spirit of adoption and brought into his family and into his home. If that isn't the case, then why did Jesus have to die? He died to make it possible for a son of Adam to become a son of God. Anyway, that's a little bit extra that didn't get in the first service. Okay, now the next important thing about this message, well, not only that he assured them not to be afraid and that the good news and for all people, but he says today, oh, I love that, today, you know, so often, I mean, children, for example, now will be waiting for Christmas Day to get their presents. You know, how many more days to go, mum? How many more days to dad? Three more days, four more days, or whatever the number might be. But there's no waiting with God. Today is God's day of salvation. Now, I'm going to use the word in a different context than the text. But as it was today, as this baby was born on that day, in that place, on that occasion, historical fact. But today, Jesus can be born. What, again? No. But Christ can be born in you. You can put your faith in him. You can say to God, God, I'm not what I should be. Who is? Will you forgive me my sins? He says, yes, I will. And if you were to ask him, why will you forgive me my sins? He will say, because my son died for you. This baby who was laid, maybe on a wooden manger, was going to be laid on a wooden cross 33 years from now for you and for me. And that's the good news. There's hope. I no longer have to be responsible for the consequences of my sin. Jesus died for me. That doesn't mean I can carry on sinning. I sin too much, as I'm sure you will acknowledge you do. We could all be more like Jesus. But he came to be our saviour. And it's today. Don't put off. Don't put off. Don't procrastinate with giving your life to Christ. You say, well, I've got lots of questions. I'm sure you have. Myself and others will be in the Zoom room at the end of the service. Now, I'm not claiming I'll be able to answer all your questions, but I'd gladly have an attempt to. And I would gladly into dialogue to help you come to faith in Christ. Well, they were given the, the place. It was in the town of David. They didn't have to call it Bethlehem. It was well known. Again, the geography was important. The geography was of the lineage of David. That's why Mary and Joseph had to travel to Bethlehem because his ancestors led back to David, which was part of the messianic prophetic word concerning the Messiah. Very, very important. That's why we had the census was to move Mary and Joseph to this place, uh, only reading this week that the census, I, I think I read, uh, Pastor Colley would probably know more than me, um, was, took 32 years, 32 years to complete this census. Anyway, that's a bit of trivia there. Okay, now what did the angel say? Well, of course, he said today in the town of David, he says three things. He says, 
A saviour has been born. He is Christ the Lord. And in that terminology, we have an explosion of truth. Absolute explosion. First of all, he declares immediately what this baby is about. He says, very a saviour. Oh, Jesus was a teacher. Of course he was. He was a healer. He performed, he walked on water. He was transfigured. I mean, the, the endless, the tremendous things that Jesus did. But we don't worship him because he walked on water. We don't worship him because he performed miracles. We worship Christ because he's our saviour. He died for us. You see, there are people listening to this who will say, God, I've never had any miracles in my life. I've not seen it. I've had answers to prayer, but no outstanding. Does that mean God doesn't love you? Of course not. He's our saviour first. And once that's done, let me tell you, if God never did another thing for me, he couldn't have done more than he has. He's my saviour. And when I fail and I'm not hitting the mark, I'm reminded this baby was a saviour. Secondly, he goes on and said, to born a saviour, he is Christ. So not only is he saying a saviour, which means he came to redeem, but he is Christ, which means he was anointed to minister, meant Messiah. So saviour, what he did, Christ is who he was. The angels telling these shepherds, you are going to be the first, one of the first people to meet the Messiah. What about that? Others were going to later. I think we all in agreement the wise men's encounter took place after the shepherds. There's much controversy there. Zechariah in the temple, that took place days later. But they had this privilege. And we have a saviour. He's the Messiah. The Messiah reminds us that the birth of Christ was the fulfillment of prophecy. The scriptures, be encouraged. Please read your Bibles. Because as you read scripture, the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. During this pandemic time, if ever we should read our Bibles more, it's now. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Take responsibility for your spiritual condition. Don't say, well, there's no church, there's no pastors around, you know. Oh, oh no, let's man up here. Let's take responsibility and do what we can. So he is a saviour. He is Christ. And then he says, the Lord. Isn't that marvellous? The Lord. So he's saviour, he's Messiah, and he's God in that little phrase. Now, listen, some people get thinking, well, what, what, what size was the manger? Were the animals in the room? Reading this week about that um, it, it may well have been a cave. And there's a, a prophecy in Isaiah about um, a cave and it's just you know listen good to think about if you've got some time to spare but let me tell you this saviour messiah god bang 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 the three truths that form the foundation for all that christ was going to do um i put a note here pastor Collins been doing some teaching on the second coming angels were very active in his first appearance and he will, they will be very active at his second advent as well. Well, after the angel had finished speaking, angels turn up. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. Now, some would say there's a difference between a heavenly host and an angel. 
But as far as I'm concerned at this moment, we've had one angel and some of his mates turned up to join in, okay? And very simple message. What is the only thing heaven could say about this? Is glory to God in the highest. Glory to God. See, that's non-negotiable. That, that's the starting point. <laughs> there isn't, you know, peace on earth, then glory. Oh, it starts with glory to God in the highest because of what's happened. This was, um, again, I, I know there are many, there'll be people with greater knowledge than me listening to this, but, you know, this was going to be the, the highest act that God was going to fulfill, the redemption of mankind. Creation was great. You know, deliverance of Israel from Egypt. But what Christ was going to do was far greater. It was going to be the redemption. It was going to be the fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament and bring redemption. So glory to God in the highest. Why? Because it was God's idea. This wasn't Kensington Temple's idea or Elam Church's idea. This was God's idea that he would give his son to be our savior. Wow. And then it's peace on earth to men on whom his favor rests. Who does God's favor rest on? It rests on those who have put their trust and faith in Christ. This is the whole point of Christ's coming, that there is a, a way back to God. And the way back to God is through the cross and the Savior and the resurrection and the ascension, all these great landmarks. But he began with his humiliation, his humbling. He came as a baby in a manger. No room in the inn. There we have it. How much more exposed could a child be than this child? And yet it was nothing compared what he would suffer for us at the end of his life than the inconveniences they suffered at the beginning of his life. So the angel sang glory to God in the highest praise, peace on earth to men, and on his favor rests. Almost there. But what did the shepherds do? When something like this happens, you've got to do something. God doesn't give you this information, you know, oh, listen, we just want you to know, by the way, down in Bethlehem, a baby's been born, he's the Savior, he's the Messiah, he's God, you know, just thought we'd let you know. No, no. God doesn't just give us information. I say this nicely. God's not a gossip. Every bit of information he gives us is because he wants us to do something about it. And it's interesting how they handle this information. I sometimes how would I have handled it? First of all, they said to one another, do you know, they had a spiritual discussion. Um, a spiritual discussion. They said to one another, let us go. That's great. I hope you have friends that you can speak spiritually to. Um, I've often said that um, I have a number of friends. You might find that a surprise, but I do have a number of friends. Not a lot. I've got a, a few friends. And, you know, I have friends that I talk to if I'm down. I have friends I talk to if I'm up. Uh, if I need cheering up, I've got other friends. I want to be serious. I've got other friends. We, we have a sort of, in uh, most of us, have a group of friends that we can call on. I hope you have one that you can share with spiritually and say to them, listen, I'm going through a tough time. The pastoral team are available. Of course we are. And in the cell structures, you have your cell leaders who are available on every, you know, it's, you know, it's very hard to backslide in Kensington Temple. It really is. You've got to work hard at it because of the support and the ministries that you have. But 
they spoke to one another. I think that's great. And they didn't fall out. They agreed, let us go together. So even in that, in his birth, we see unity, which is a vital New Testament word. To see the thing that has happened. Oh, maybe we call that curiosity, which the Lord has told us about. You see, they didn't go down to Bethlehem to check out whether the angel had told them the truth. They knew it was the truth, which the Lord has told us about. They didn't have to verify it. They didn't have to check it out and see. They knew. They were in no doubt that God had told them. And they went down, and of course, they found the baby there, Mary and Joseph and the baby. Um, no angel glory, no trumpets, you know, can't even guarantee there are animals in the stable. We have no idea. But I know this, the baby was there just as they had been told. And if the circumstances were correct of what they were told, then I can guarantee to you that the truth about Christ was also true. So yes, there's a manger, there's a baby, etc., and he's the Savior, the Christ, the Lord. Okay, well, I've almost finished. You've, you've listened really well. Okay, so what did they do about it? Well, they went down, and it says there they, they spread the word. You see, you cannot keep this to yourself. You see, God didn't say to the angels, go down and tell those shepherds, say to the angels, go down and tell them shepherds that the Savior is born, will you? Just, I feel like telling somebody. I feel like ringing somebody up and giving them the good news. No, 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 no. It was always in the heart of God that this would be a blessing to all men. And the first almost evangelistic, although it's not a true evangelism, as you can understand, because that Jesus had died on the cross, the first proclamation was from these guys. But it says they spread the word. And you and I, that's our responsibility. We have had it revealed to us that Jesus is the Savior, he's the Messiah, and he is God. And we have to spread the word. There's no one out there who is doing that. The only people that can do that job and will do it correctly is the church of Jesus Christ. It's our task. We can't wait for the media. We can't wait for the newspapers. We can't wait for politicians. I don't think God ever expected us to wait for anybody. He told us to get on with the job, go and share and preach the gospel. And these guys are almost a prototype on an evangelistic team going out. They spread the word. And then verse 20, and with this I conclude, it says there, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen. And it was just as they had been told. So at the beginning, we have the angels praising God. After they had, the shepherds had seen Jesus, they were praising God. Before and after. Before, their praise of God was very limited. But once they'd seen Jesus, they could join in with the angelic host. And you and I can only fully and truly worship God when we know him. Oh, yes, many of us maybe went to church or we sang hymns and things in church. But let me tell you, and I'm not demeaning that at all, but till you know him, not till you've been to Bethlehem, no, 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 
or you've been to the River Jordan, no, or you've been to the Mount of Transfiguration, no, till you've been to Calvary. That's where the journey begins and ends for us, where he died for us. So we're told here a saviour has been born. That was the message. A saviour has been born. That's his incarnation. A saviour has been born. The word saviour, redemption, to you, personal, and today. If you're not a Christian today, again, may I repeat how pleased we are that you've chosen to be part of our Christmas morning service. Please, consider not the baby, consider the saviour, the one who died for you. Visit the Zoom room. There are folk there, and myself for some time, but only be too pleased to speak to you about this. So that's me concluded. I'm going to pray, and then the we'll hand back to the tech team. I do appreciate the support. I'm sorry I couldn't be with you in the building today. I would have enjoyed that, but we just felt it wouldn't be appropriate to move from different tiers, three to four and four back to three. We just felt that uh, it would be the correct thing to do, and we thank you for your patience. So let's pray. Father, I pray for every home and family full of disappointment about the Christmas arrangements. But Lord, may we have that joy of knowing that Jesus came to be our Savior. If it wasn't for Bethlehem, there'd be no Calvary. And we thank you, Lord, for that. Amen.